0: Jean knew about mistakes, he'd gotten into Beacon from a mistake, he became a leader of Team Juniper by mistake, he had made more mistakes than most, and died from just as many. Early on in the repeats there had been so many mistakes as he desperately tried to change the timeline without any clear plan. People had died, lessons had been learned, but Jean had never knowingly allowed a friend of his to die, until now that was. He fucked up, and Blake was going to pay the price. Plans and contingencies slammed into his mind, The tired organ running at 150% as he tried to remember every little aspect he could, what he would normally have done to keep Blake alive. The police were out. They were slow to react and he didn't have the time for it. They would notice as soon as the first explosions went off anyway. Yang and Weiss had no reason to trust him, and he couldn't take the chance they wouldn't follow his lead the teachers? They would need to discuss, decide if he was telling the truth, and what to do. They would ask how he knew, and when he couldn't give an answer, they might think it a cruel hoax. It was already too late. Blake might not even have that time. His stomach rolled as he realized he couldn't remember what time she would die, because she hadn't ever died there. He or Ruby had always saved her. He'd always been there in time. The academy's doors burst open as he tripped outside, landing in a clumsy roll before looking around. This late at night the plaza was deserted, with only a few artificial lights for illumination, most of those leading towards the Bullhead docks. He followed them, breath heavy in his throat as he pushed his muscles on. If he only knew the coordinates for the docks, he could have used his locker. But, why would he have fought to learn those in advance? Sorry mate. Bullheads are offline for the night. The man stood by the vehicle said, not even looking up from his scroll. He didn't see the fist that struck the side of his head, knocking him out. Jean caught the man before he could fall, laying him down gently and running his hands around the inside of his uniform. The ID card he pulled labelled the man as a guard. It wouldn't be like the pilots would have still have been there if the bullheads were down for the night. Jean threw atop his victim's chest with a curse stalking over to the nearest bullhead as he hefted his weapon. The hilt of Kurokamoor shattered the passenger side window with ease, the alarm blaring as Jean ran arm around the frame, knocking out any loose glass. His aura was enough for the shards that littered the seat as he pulled himself in, rolling under the dash and jamming his sword into the underside of the control panel. Wires and electronics fell down, dangling above him, and it was the work of a second to cut the alarm. He hadn't spent a year or so serving under Roman Torchwick for nothing. With the amount of running they'd done, it made sense his getaway driver would know how to secure a vehicle, and there was nothing better to use than a bullhead. Already he could feel his headache fall away, slipping into the back of his mind as he fell back into a routine he was used to, that of a soldier preparing for a personal war. He would have considered being careful about the hot wiring, but there just wasn't the time. The alarm was off, but Beacon had a security desk and cameras that weren't going to miss the fact that it had sounded in the first place. The docks were the most obvious point for an enemy to land, after all, and as such were often under intense scrutiny. Come on, damn it, come on! John whispered as he fiddled with the wires, wincing as some dust fell on his eyes. There were hundreds of various colored wires, all twisted and locked together to make it less cluttered. Such was the effort, anyway. In truth it was still a mess that would have taken an engineer hours to dig through. Jean knew bullheads, however, as much as he hated them, and as he cut two wires, peeled back the isolation and held them together, he was rewarded with the stuttering sound of an engine coming to life, that and the electricity which burned his fingers, but he ignored that, gritting his teeth as he wound the loose metal together, joining the wires. The engine continued as he sat back up and pushed some glass from the seat, strapping himself in. There was a commotion over by the school, and Jean sighed as his fingers danced over a cockpit covered in glowing buttons and dials. Lights flickered on outside, the clamps holding the craft to the ground disengaged. He could hear the shouting now, pilots and crew sprinting across the grass towards him. He hammered as he reached up to flick open the flight computer, inputting the commands for a manual override. The flight stick fell back into his hands, loose for a second before the system came to life and it became responsive in his grip. The cockpit shook as the engine noise became louder, the bullhead hovering upwards as the lift finally reached the levels necessary to move its considerable bulk. Down below, he could hear people cursing but it was muted by the violent humming of the powerful motors. He pushed the stick to the right, tapping a dial for the port thrusters, making the ship tilt to the right. As it did, the vehicle's window looked out over the main tower of Beacon, of which Jean could imagine Ospin standing inside watching. He couldn't see anything, but somehow it seemed impossible that the man would miss this. Just a sign, Mr. Ark. Just a sign that you could be a person that others could rely on to protect them. Jean couldn't help but think he should have been panicking, that the thought of his plans falling to pieces around his ears should have left him short of breath. His breathing was even, however, his heart rate falling to a normal level. There was no stress or pain, no doubt, or panic. This was a situation he had been in a thousand times before. The risk of losing someone, lives at stake. He was more used to that than he was anything else. His mind was clear, for what felt like the first time in weeks. This was what he lived for, his face expressionless, mind empty and eyes focused. Logically, coldly, he considered the scenario. He could give up and let her die. She was going to die anyway, eventually. He should stop and let Talkwitch kill her. Just how he should have let Adam kill him when they had been captured. How she could have lived on, if she had but sacrificed him. I can't. Golden eyes, black hair and expression filled with emotion. I'm sorry, Jean. But I can't. The stick was slammed forward. Engines roaring angrily as Beacon disappeared behind him. You're supposed to be leaving this behind you, his mind whispered, remembering the plan. They're going to die anyway. What difference does it make if she dies now or later? Jean paid it no heed, eyes flickering over familiar flight controls. It was all instinct now, a routine he'd gotten used to. The headset fit snugly over his head, already preset to the frequencies of Veil. An influx of radio chatter filtered into his ears as he kept the ship hurtling over the Emerald Forest towards the spires of the neon-lit city. Three unidentified signals over dock sector 24B. Designation INFI-1 through 3. All attempts to hail have been met with silence. Authorities have been alerted. A voice over the radio reported. All airborne craft are advised to avoid the area, along with sectors 24A, C, and 23B. They were already there. It didn't tell him enough, only that events were happening as they always did. The bullhead rattled as he pushed the engines harder, knowing they would overheat if he tried to keep it up indefinitely. Jean could already feel his body being pushed back into his seat, as the G-Force took effect on his body. The shattered window hardly helped, with the wind whistling at extreme speeds. Beacon aircraft approaching Sector 16F, be advised, you are entering Vale airspace at restricted speeds, please slow your approach. I repeat, slow your approach." He had no good answer to that, so he remained silent. In the background, he could still make out the radio chatter discussing the unidentified craft at the docks, which, as of yet, hadn't opened fire or made any overly aggressive motions. They didn't have to, since it would be Torchwick who would kill Blake. His left hand came off the computer to rest at the coolant drive, injecting ice dust into the motors in a controlled burst that plunged the temperature of the engines. The craft shook and ratted angrily, the shift in temperature stressing the metal to the point where it began to flex. Atlas engineering kicked in soon enough, however, ensuring that the bucket of nuts and bolts remained in one piece. Now of the engine reheating from a safe temperature. Beacon aircraft, you are legally entering Vale airspace. Submit codes to reduce your speed immediately. There was a pause punctured only by the roar of his engine before he heard the man curse. We have unauthorized aircraft entering Vale. I repeat, unauthorized aircraft entering Vale. New designation, INFI-4. Be aware. Divert all flight paths in projecting INFI-4 is headed to the Sector 24B, alerting authorities. Advisory: Deploying more forces to Sector 24B. Good. The buildings of Vale sped beneath him, nothing more than great blurs as he cut trail above the city, careful to avoid any of the taller buildings by a generous margin. At the speeds he was travelling, let alone the height, it was impossible to see the people on the street, but he could imagine how they might look up in shock, wincing at the orange trail he left behind, not to mention the noise. The ocean began to appear ahead, more specifically, the buildings gave way to sparse industrial areas with squat warehouses and factories. Further ahead, the navigational computer alerted him to the presence of three other aircraft. They weren't showing up on a signal, however which likely meant they scrambled it and had chosen a different radio frequency. That meant they wouldn't have heard his approach over the chatter either. Info 4, you are ordered to reduce speed immediately or face consequences. You are granted the permission to touch down in sector 24B, where you will be apprehended peacefully. Copy that. Jean spoke, and if it weren't for his nerves, he might have smiled at how shocked the sudden silence sounded. Infill 4? You copy? You were touch down and cease breach of Vale airspace? Jean's fingers flew over the touchscreen computer. Months of grueling training under were coming to mind as protocols and safeguards were overridden. The computer seemed to fight him every step of the way, before giving in with a silent ding. A holographic panel projected into the air before him, suspended between his face and the window like a sheet of film. There was a green circle in the middle and a tactical map. Three shapes were highlighted in neon green, text scrolling beside him. In a manner of speaking, I copy. Jean agreed, flipping the top of the flight stick open and revealing a very angry red button. Info 4 has just engaged weapon systems. I repeat, info 4 has just engaged weapon systems. The cane in Roman's hand jerked once, the vibrations traveling up his arm as his muscles adjusted to take the recoil. The girl had her eyes closed, having given up entirely. That was fine with him. Even a monster such as he didn't get any real joy out of seeing the fear in her eyes. The red dust round struck her face, passing straight through it and impacting the ground a few minutes behind her in a fiery explosion. The criminal sighed, shaking his head as he brought his weapon up to rest against his shoulder. You know kid, I gave you an easy way out, he said. Tapping one foot on the ground. But she couldn't just take it. Could you? The girl glared back up at him from her position, laid flat on the ground. The headless clone faded away, just like the irritating others she'd used before. Except that this time, she didn't seem to have enough juice left in her to actually escape. Silent. Moody and a pen and ass to get rid of. All you need is a stupid hairstyle, and you remind me of someone I know. Not that he'd say that around Neo, since he preferred his balls where they were. With a roll of his eyes, he strode forwards, watching her arms with narrowed eyes, before he stepped up to place his foot directly in the center of her chest. He wasn't going to waste any more time here. If she could pull a clone and get out from under his foot he would be surprised. Just for good measure, he placed the tip of his cane directly beneath her nose. Stay still this time. Golden eyes glared up at him as if it were all his fault. Hey kid, you're the one who decided to come in here and mess with us. I'm not the one who forced you to stick your nose in. He sighed. Leaving bodies was the mark of an amateur. Then again, leaving witnesses was worse. Sorry kid, he thought. Wrong place, wrong time. It's nothing personal. His finger squeezed the trigger. But the explosion that sounded wasn't his what the fuck the incredible roar split the air apart like some terrible thunder barking in rapid succession heat slashed over them a second later as one of the bullheads he'd picked out from the heists was scathed apart in a merciless hail of fire the engines and tanks ignited in an instant the craft and all inside engulfed in a fiery explosion that even he, doubted he could have survived. The force of it knocked the white fang to their knees, and although he was made of sterner stuff, he staggered a few steps, whipping a hand across his eyes to stop any dust being blown in. A streak of silver sped by, metal screaming angrily as a bullhead switched from flight to hover mode, wings and engines nearly buckling under the stress. Even as it turned, even as what idiot pilot nearly tore it to pieces? The guns welled to life once more. oh shit! Scatter! Roman screamed, not giving nearly as many shits about the White Fang as he did himself, but the more people running about, the harder it would be for that bastard to pick a proper target. The criminal grabbed his lapel on one hand as he ducked behind a dust container, and he definitely didn't miss the irony of using the most volatile substance on Remnant as cover. Will somebody get that bastard out of the friggin' sky? He shouted into his collar and the electronic device sewn in there. One of the pilots shouted, we're trying, and Roman managed to feel stupid for all of a second, as though the stupid animals would have somehow not noticed one of their buddies going up in fire. They were all dumb and useless, but not that stupid. This wasn't normal. Roman knew that because he wasn't an idiot either. When you spend most of your time being hunted down by Veil and Atlas you picked up on a sudden desire to know a lot about those two kingdoms when about hunting their enemies. Vale was a pretty decent, peaceful city, hence it was his stomping ground. The authorities asked questions first, gave warnings, seconds and then opened fire pretty much never. At least, they didn't if you didn't shoot first. That made dealing with them fairly easy, since letting yourself be captured then having Neo break you out was a damn sight easier than risking your life in a firefight. Couple were corrupt too, so he knew which ones he could slip a little line to in order to make them look the other way. Either way, Roman knew his way around the VPD, which was why he knew this wasn't one of them. They definitely wouldn't have just up and incinerated a single suspicious bullhead, and definitely not over the bloody docks themselves. The wreckage had already hurtled to the ground, tearing aside metal containers and igniting the contents in what was quickly becoming a rather incredible inferno. Yeah, and I bet no one's going to notice that, he growled. Within the hour, the flames would be bigger than the warehouses themselves, and already the glow must have been visible for a mile. There went any hopes of getting through this little shitstorm without attracting any attention. Cinder wasn't going to be pleased. Roman heard one of the animals shout where engaging, and the cook grinned as he watched the two remaining crafts speed after the first. Roman glanced back to where he'd run from, in time to see the stupid cat trying to crawl over to the monkey, one arm after the other. She dragged herself across the floor. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake. Roman sighed and put his hat down over his fringe, puffling angrily on a cigar. Cinder was already going to be pissed and with one bullhead down, he wasn't going to be cutting away nearly as much dust as he needed to. Someone had to pay for this. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. He called, gritting his teeth as he strode across the open ground, wincing at every explosion or rattle of automatic fire above him. The Faunus's head turned to see him, eyes glittering in the dark like topaz. He could see how wide they were her legs scrabbling in an attempt to stand up. He hadn't signed up for killing kids, but when these same kids were willing to hold a blade to his throat and cause this kind of trouble, then maybe it was time to make an exception. Stay back! The girl hissed. She reached her down friend and seemed to be trying to stand up to defend him, but for her legs which were clearly still not strong enough, he watched her golden eyes, glinting in the dark glanced towards her weapon, but it was a good 20 feet away. He won't get away with this. She added. Roman rolled his eyes at it. Damn. But he hated the last words bravado. so many people shouted. Yeah, you're probably right. I've got one bird down, and the other two distracted by some asshat rather than picking up any dust. The VPD's en route, and then I'll be running away with my tail between my legs. He took a long drag of his cigar, letting it burn down a little before flicking it towards her. The ash bounced off her forehead, making the girl cough lightly. But the thing is, kid, at the end of the day, I'll still be alive to have a free crack at it. Roman cocked a smile, tipping his hat towards her. The thing is, kid, you won't be. Another explosion washed over them, but this time he was able to keep his eyes open, wincing as the heat struck from behind. A brief glance upward showed two craft in flames drifting to the ground. A mid-air collision, that or a ram, he couldn't tell. He kept half an eye on one as it fell, spinning and wheeling through the air towards a nearby warehouse. The renowned thief didn't miss the figure that leapt out of it. Nor did he miss on how it landed in a crouch some distance away, sprinting towards them. Hunters. Every friggin' time. No one else would've even tried a trick like that, but air insertion using Oro to effect the landing was pretty much standard operation procedure, especially since landing a bullhead in the middle of a grim attack was usually impossible. The warehouse didn't so much go up in flames as exploded violently. The metal vehicle crashed through the roof, hitting something and igniting it in one go, causing wreckage and girders to fly in every direction, as well as knock the injured girl before him down. Roman Tiskin stepped back, twisting his weapon to the approaching target. A split-second decision in the limited time he had. A choice between a helpless and injured brat, or an unknown threat barreling towards him. Not a difficult choice. The dust round impacted the ground before the figure, exploding in a fireball that was flung directly into the assailant's face. Roman wasn't a man who had gotten to where he was by taking chances, and hunters were good at dodging head-on attacks. The smoke, not to mention the concrete kicked up by the blast, would ensure the blast had come out at least a little bit bloodied. The smoke from the blast seemed to bulge outwards, Roman cursing as he twisted his weapon up to block a silver blade that struck from within. Most people struck to disable. But the force behind the strike had Roman quickly pushing the back of his free hand against the cane to reinforce his defense. Green eyes narrowed as the smoke cleared to reveal his opponent, meeting a pair of furious blue eyes and a furious snarl. Get away from her! The figure roared, pulling back and swinging with both hands to bring the sword down atop Roman's head. Roman's weapon came up again, this time taking no chances as he took the blow on both hands. His feet scraped across the gravel as he let himself be forced back, better than taking the blow directly. That also gave him a chance to take a good look at the latest guy who needed to die blonde hair and blue eyes, with dried blood and suit muttered across his face and hair. The hunter couldn't have been more than another bloody student, and young at that. The kid was breathing heavily, but those eyes were focused and clear. You kids just keep crawling out of the woodwork, don't you?" Roman growled and straightened his cap, twirling his weapon to point it at the team. He was out of ammo, but there was no way the kid would know that. Now, why don't we wall? Roman fell back in shock, deflecting one attack before wincing as a knee struck the side of his thigh. He threw a punch in return, knocking the kid's face to the side before ducking the blade. His attempt to gain some much-needed space was thwarted when the blonde pushed forward, slamming his shoulder into Roman's chest, and driving the two of them back so they slammed into a metal container. So close, neither of them could use their weapons, but fighting dirty was a skill Roman had mastered years ago. The handle of his weapon came down, slamming into the brat's hair and making his grip loosen. Roman kicked the knee up at the same time, roughly aiming for the face as he pushed away something cracked and a grunt of pain issued from his opponent, who backed away long enough to grip his sword and spin violently. Roman ducked with a hiss, glancing up as the edge sheared through the container, spilling dust atop him. With a frown, he leapt forward and up, slamming the top of his head into the kid's jaw, sending him staggering back. Even then the blasted sword kept him from taking advantage of it, weaving wildly before his foe to disencourage any pursuit. He wished he'd brought a gun along with, though Aura would probably have prevented that from doing too much. Still, this was not going as he planned. Roman spat out a thick wet of blood, probing a loose tooth with his tongue. Brutal and rushed, the hunters of today would have watched their fight in shock and horror. They focused too much on their weapons, on technique and flashy moves as opposed to the old reliable truth of cold, hard violence. That was why he watched the same brat with cautious eyes. Those strikes hadn't been to disable a wound, like most students getting used to their regular spas and mock fights. Every attack had been clearly intended to be lethal, with not a shred of hesitation behind them. The blonde smiled, teeth stained red. He looked like shit. Roman probably figured he looked the same, coat and face covered in grime blood and dirt. Damn, but he'd kill for the chance to take a smoke. His fingers tied it on the handle of his weapon. Tom was running out, and what the kid had in spunk? He seemed to lack in any clear technique or staying power. The first brat, not to mention his little trip in the bullhead, seemed to have placed a strain on him while Roman was still fresh, not to mention the better fighter. Both figures dashed forward. Only the curse as the ground before them was kicked up.